No one would have believed in the beginning of the 21st century that this world was to be taken over by psychopathic liars and murderers. Radio Free Signs of the Times, broadcasting into the heart of occupied America. When I was in a past life and I was a grasshopper mm-hmm. and I I ate something. Oh, I remember I ate humans and I had blood all over me. Welcome to another Signs of the Time podcast. We're back this week once again with Laura Nightyadchik, and we will be discussing with her another hypnosis session that she had relating to the topic of possible alien abduction. We're really doing this the wrong time of the year, you know. I mean, we should have done this at Halloween. Oh, exactly. Were you scared last week, Henry? Yes, he Laura. Was demonized. <laughs> demonized? <laughs> so you think it was a demon, huh? Well, the question is, was it or wasn't it a demon? If it was a demon, I would say it was not one of the major demons. It was It was certainly not a... He doesn't get a write-up in the Bible? Um, well, I don't know. He, he might have been similar to to the gang that was supposedly infesting the... The Gadarene, where Jesus cast them out, and, and they all went into a, a, a herd of pigs and plunged over a cliff. That's yeah, that, uh, And then, of course, you know, when they plunge over the cliff, they yell, no, <laughs> as they go. Or oink. <laughs> so what is the um, difference between uh, a demon and, like, your average spirit attachment? Well, according to the literature, a demon is an entity that has never had its own body. It's basically parasitical. You mean human body? Human body, yes. Because okay. it, it works on the time-sharing principle, <laughs> is that it? Like? More or less, more or less. Doesn't doesn't have its own home. And why that is, uh, I'm not exactly sure, but it seems that the, the principle is that it, it lacks something that allows it to incarnate into a human body, and whether that is a connection to uh, the centers as expounded by Moravia, for whether it is uh, for some other reason, I'm not entirely sure. My guess is is that because being in a body requires an expenditure of energy, that is the primary reason why so-called demons or elementals do not uh, incarnate into bodies because they they don't expend energy they 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 take well yeah they take energy and they feed it uh, up a up a sort of uh, connecting line to the next higher demonic entity in the hierarchy and uh, because they are under the complete control of this hierarchy uh, they don't get much of an allowance to spend and they don't have enough allowance to pay for a body. Their job is to uh, latch onto or parasitically attach to bodies that are operated by uh, beings that are 
essentially creative in nature, creative being in the sense that they they have a portion or segment or um, part of their psyche that is creative and allows for creative expenditure of energy. You can take this a little bit further and imagine that an extremely selfish individual who is very lazy and doesn't do much and only takes and doesn't give is is pretty much on their way to becoming food for this kind of entity. But having said that, I still say that uh, this particular one, nasty as it was and even as strong as it was in its resistance, was still not equivalent to some I've read about and heard about. Now, those of you who've read Hostage to the Devil uh, can realize that probably this this uh, this critter was similar to those entities that Malachi Martin writes about in his book. But then, of course, there is one that, uh, that Scott Peck wrote about that struck me as being far more dangerous and older and bigger and nastier than than anything I've personally encountered in my work. And of course, we are talking about last week's podcast uh where we where we played portions of a taped exorcism that I did back in when, when was it 1995, I believe. And I haven't uh, done too much in the way of hypnosis since then because it took. So that was I, a that was an unplanned exorcism. Yes, it was. It was definitely unplanned. <laughs> it didn't start out that way. Now I. We can just I, like to confirm that you don't work for the Vatican. <laughs> no, no, I don't work for the Vatican, and I'd like to point out the fact that never once during the entire exorcism did I say the word Jesus. Now, yes, I did use the the term Christ, but from my point of view, Christ represents a universal spirit of light and knowledge, and that is, in fact, what it originally represented, you know, Jesus the Christ, or the Christ one, that is anointed with uh, universal light and and knowledge. However, uh, the most recent scholarly studies indicate that Whoever the man was that the Jesus legend accreted around was uh, certainly not um, someone who was crucified and resurrected after three days. And in fact, the the entire biblical story is a is a metaphor for an alchemical process of um, of achieving a certain state. You might say you might call it Christed, but it has nothing to do with being crucified, dying, and being resurrected. So there's no point in calling on the name of Jesus in that particular sense. You can call on 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 whoever you want, whether it's Buddha, Moses, Jesus, you know, any, any of these previously incarnated individuals who may or may not uh, resonate with you and may or may not respond to you because of frequency resonance. In fact, the uh, the symbolism of the of the Jesus kind of myth or story. It's much much older than than Christianity itself. It's uh, absolutely it goes back into the kind of mists of of time. Absolutely, the uh, the, the entire the entire story that has been accepted as a history is in no way, shape, form, or fashion ever under any circumstances whatsoever a history. It is a metaphor. So, having said that, today we wanna we want to listen to a slightly different bit of hypnosis or a slightly different type of session. And 
this was one, uh, I'll give you a little background. The individual, once again, was referred to me through a third party. And she called and left a message on my answering machine. And when I listened to the message, it sounded like this woman was in a in a complete state of panic, that something had happened to her, and she believed that she had been abducted by aliens. This was not terribly uncommon for people to leave such messages on my answering machine. I really wish I'd saved all those answering machine tapes because some of those messages were bizarre. But in any event, she uh, she was nearly hysterical, and I called her back and, and calmed her down and, and told her that we would set up a meeting as soon as possible. So we had several meetings and several discussions before finally I agreed to do the, the hypnosis, and when I did, I decided it, uh, in this particular case that I wanted to do it in her home because I certainly didn't want somebody who may or may not have had a, a an alien abduction or at least something very traumatic to be driving after a, a hypnosis session. So I went to her home with my uh, with my assistant and my tape recording equipment and we settled down to do the session. Now in the beginning of this session what I did was something that I most generally do when I think that there is going to be something very traumatic. Uh, when the when the individual gives evidence of suffering from some uh, you know post traumatic stress, and that was to instruct her after the uh, induction of hypnosis to create her safe place in which to operate. And I've already explained this. So basically, uh, when we come in on this tape, this was a, a little bit unexpected. Also, we're still in the process of. Uh, her furnishing or describing her safe place, her sanctuary, her her room to operate in. You know, we hadn't gotten very far with it. She'd, you know, found the building or, you know, was mentally constructing it in her mind, had gone in the door, was in the room, had described quite a few features of the room, including shelves full of, of glass ornaments and assorted other, you know, items that she found around in the room. Now, all of these, of course, you know, give the therapist a lot of clues and indications about the subconscious content of the individual, but we won't go into that right now. What happened in this particular case was a little bit interesting because even before I made any suggestions whatsoever that she should do anything to view anything at all, uh, things led one thing to another, to another, to another, and you're going to hear exactly what happened because I'm going to play this tape for you. And just uh, bear with through some of the some of those slow spots because uh, a person under hypnosis doesn't have the same sense of time that you and I have and you have to be very patient and you have to sit and you have to listen and wait for them to respond sometimes because uh, they're, they're going through something in their mind that um, that you are not privy to and you have to wait for them to see it, experience it, you know, get the full flavor of it before they describe it to you. So let's listen to this very, very interesting experience. Is there any books or papers? On the table. Mm-hmm. There are few. Can you see the titles on any of the books? No, there's not books. It's just papers. Looks like a map. A map? Do you know what it's a map of? Like a treasure map, kind of. Mm 
Well, why don't you walk over to it and pick it up and tell me about it? Somebody has left it there for you to find. Go over and pick it up. Grandma's here. Okay. Is she talking to you? No, she's just there in spirit. Okay. Is she there to give you a message? She's always with me. Okay. She says, this is good and this is home. Well, home is only a thought away. See how warm and comfortable it is? It's yours. things moving on it. Uh-huh. Is it like a holographic map? No. What are, what's moving on it? The lights coming from from the little circles of the ships. Uh-huh. The lights keep moving around. Uh-huh. It's down the, to the ground. And they go around. And there's three ships and the lights go down to the ground. What do they do there? They go around. It's like they take turns going around. Mm-hmm. And there's red and green. And the ground is down toward the bottom. Now, I want you to... That's where I'm walking. Uh-huh. Where are you walking? Where this uh, map is showing you? Uh, it's funny. It's like I'm in the map. Uh-huh. Okay. And I'm walking. I want you to just continue the movement, the flow, and, and continuously describe what you're experiencing and seeing. And I'm in the woods. Uh-huh. And I'm oh, I see this ship. And it's glowing and pulsating. And it's got lights. It's just magnificent. Uh-huh. 
the trees. Hair go round. I see it. I see it. They're out on the ground. Okay, describe them to me. They're kind of far away yet. Okay, we'll keep walking towards them until you get close enough to, to give me a physical description. Well, they're kind of like insects. What do you mean, kind of like insects? Well, they're walking around, you know. Well, what kind of insect do they remind you of? Oh, grasshopper. This is like, like when I was in a past life and I was a grasshopper uh -huh. and I, I ate something. Oh, I remember. I ate humans and I had blood all over me. I think I must be one of them, but I'm not sure yet. So they eat humans? There's this little girl with brown hair, curly, and she's dressed in a, a light colored blue dress, mm -hmm. and it has petticoats in it. And this insect being eats her. Is this one you're seeing as you're going through the woods or one you're seeing from another time? Uh, this is in the woods. Okay, you see this insect like being eating the little girl. Yep. How does that make you feel? Oh, I don't have any feeling. I'm just watching it. It's like I'm detached. What does the little girl say? She doesn't seem to mind. She doesn't seem to mind. Okay, now, I want you to stop all the action for just one second. Okay. And what we're going to do is, the whole scene you're looking at is going to be transformed to a sort of movie screen. special kind of movie screen because not only is it a movie screen, it's a curtain. And you can push a button on a little clicker box like a TV remote control that you have in your pocket. And you can push the button on this clicker box and make that curtain swing back and show you what's really happening in that scene. All the masking and all the screening will be stripped away and you'll see what's actually happening in terms of all the energies and the players and the drama. Excuse me. Mm hmm But I'm eating that little girl. Okay. How does that make you feel? It's food. Okay. I pull her hair back because the hair 
doesn't taste good. And do you look at her before you eat her? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What does she look like? Shirley Temple, kind of. Okay. Well, do you have any uh, sensation from your perspective now? as to that sort of action at that time? I don't understand your question. Well, let's see. How does it make you feel now to look at yourself as that other being eating that little girl? It's way of life. Okay. Just what does happen? Okay, now I want you to I want you to go back to where I had you now, because I want you to push the button and swing the screen back. Uh, okay. What do you see behind the screen? Treacherous. What is treacherous? Running down. Okay. 
they grow these kids. This yes. happens yes. all over Earth. Yes. Does it make you have any particular feelings? I must have. I knew that Earth was a pile of shit, but I didn't know it was a feeding ground. So, what are we to make of that? Well, all I can say is that I may have sounded like I was rather calm through this session because I just kept encouraging the the subject to continue and to try to help her get to her feelings about it, to uh, express them, to um, come to terms with whatever this was that was in her subconscious so that she could uh, stop feeling so traumatized. Apparently, uh, that was fairly successful. The the session continued on for probably another 30 minutes, uh, most of which time I spent, you know, helping her work through the emotions of of this more or less horrifying revelation. Now, whether or not what she was seeing was true or not in any... Uh, reality-based construct, I can't say. But in terms of seeing energies, I do think that what she was seeing had a certain validity because certainly there are individuals on our planet who feed on other people. Whether they feed on them physically or not, I can't say that either. Um, There is some evidence, uh, most of it's somewhat suppressed and obscure, that uh, human beings do get uh, get to become the main course, and there have been re- remains found, and there have been human mutilations just like there have been cattle mutilations, and um, there certainly certainly are some strange stories that have emerged, you know, such as uh, <clears throat> stories from people who claim to have encountered uh, people being raised in in something similar to you know cattle pens for food purposes and uh, any anyone who's watched the movie V where where you see all of the human bodies that are hanging up in the ship that are waiting to be used as food uh, has an idea that this is not a uh, a new concept of course at the time this session was done back in in what 94 or 95, um, I don't think V had been aired at that point, had it? Mm-hmm. It yeah, had? It had, yeah. In the 80s. 80s. It was in the 80s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, okay, so V had already been seen, so, she, you know, it's entirely possible that she could have picked up some of her ideas from science fiction, um, any numbers of places that she could have gotten these these concepts. But what was important to me was was the fact that this was what was going on inside this woman's subconscious mind. And uh, not to scare anybody, but she was a teacher in an institute of higher learning and worked every day with children mm-hmm. <laughs> or young people. But in terms of um, even historical evidence, for example, um, or at least historical evidence that suggests something along the lines of, of some kind of... Uh, advanced life forms that 
appear appear what well, appear to humans in as animals as some kind of kind of animals or insects. I mean, there's Egypt. Well, Egypt and, is and the most America. famous for that, of course, because it, you know they have jackal-headed gods, they have lion-headed goddesses, well, they up, have upright alligators, uh, upright alligators, the alligator gods, so on and so forth. And then, of course, there is the, the long tradition of human sacrifice, hmm. and one wonders. You know where the human mind came up with this concept to begin with, uh, because certainly it. it um, yeah, I mean, why would why would you expect uh, why would any humans throughout history um, uh, take a dog, for example, and place it above them in some kind of a, on on a pedestal? Um, well, sure. As as it were, a, a more evolved being than 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 humans, when that's obviously not the case. Yes, and crocodile guys yeah. and so on. <coughs> And then, of course, we have this woman with her, with her praying mantises and her ant-like beings, or grasshoppers, or whatever she wants to call them, eating humans, tearing their arms off like we tear uh, chicken, chicken wings. wings. <laughs> yeah, chicken wings. So, needless to say, it's you know the the, the thing about the tape is is her her upset, her emotional uh, fluctuations are quite evident. Uh, I was, of course, you know, maintaining my cool, but I, I can't. I can say that I was at least as upset to be listening to this as she was to be seeing it, or at least partly so. Was this the first time that you had done an alien abduction hypnosis? No, no. no. I had done other alien abduction regression hypnosis sessions before, um, but none of them had ever uh, revealed anything like this. Of course, I wasn't looking for anything like this either, so I wasn't making any any particular types of suggestions or using using any techniques to bring information like this forward. Uh, I'm not saying that in the, some of these other cases that such information might not have been there. I just didn't know to look for it and didn't know how to look for it. This this is where it came out spontaneously. Well, it was interesting in the tape the way you leading her through at the beginning. She has a complete emotional detachment from what she's seeing. And then as you introduce the idea of the movie screen, it's when the the screen opened up that all of a sudden the, the full emotional weight of what she was seeing was hitting her. Well, that was the reason for doing that because, you know, the, and this is why I was asking her repeatedly, how do you feel, how does that make you feel, and so forth. Because, as I said, she called me in a state of, of extreme distress, so I knew that something w- was, was uh, very very painful for her and if she's talking about something in such a detached way and it doesn't uh, produce in her any emotional reaction then obviously she is not getting to the real thing she hasn't gotten to the to the thing that has caused the emotional mm-hmm. distress and i need to help her find the way to get to it and to you know confront that distressing situation and then to work her way through it you know to release that emotion and of course this was why i was asking her to you know what would you say uh to these beings you know speak to them talk to them because mm-hmm. this is one way of uh giving voice to to whatever is inside that is causing the stress and it's very effective when it's done under hypnosis because it it's almost as if you have actually done it mm-hmm. There is one case that I worked with where the where the subject never could get to the point where she could even confront um, a screen memory, uh, and it, and it was very peculiar because she had a 
She had some kind of a block put in place that every time she approached it, she experienced extreme physical trauma. I mean, just, just physical pain. She she would start shaking and rubbing her arms and, and clutching and kind of writhing on the on the sofa there, you know, saying it hurts, it hurts. And then, of course, there were other cases where uh, when they approached these uh, these memories, they would get, you know, blinding headaches, and I would have to uh, help them through the headache, you know, to make the suggestions that the, you know, that they were able to access the information without the pain block. And, uh, you know, there are various techniques, and you have to have a, a whole bag of them when you're going into something like this, because at any moment you may need to pull one of them out and use them to help the person, you know, stay stable, to, to keep uh, to keep going forward, to confront the issues, to confront the memories. Whether they're memories of actual real events or not, as I said, I can't say. But whatever it is, it is some kind of a drama that helps the person deal with real dynamic issues in their lives. Now, the case that we just heard, the trauma that this woman was suffering, did it come on suddenly? Was it something that she had been living with for her whole life? What was the... What was the origin? No, apparently it was fairly sudden. Uh, and this is, you know, this is something that uh, that happens. A person will call me and say, you know, something happened to me last week. I was driving home and uh, I got home two hours later and I don't know, you know, it only takes me 15 minutes to drive home. Why did it take two hours to make a 15-minute drive? I don't know what happened. So they start out, you know, with missing time, and and then after this period of missing time, well, missing time itself is distressing enough, yeah. but not to the extent that these people are are upset. They, you know, something happened to me. Something happened to me. Uh, I I have to know what it is. You know, I'm missing this time, and something happened. You know, because I feel. You know, I feel jumpy. I feel like uh, a cat on a hot tin roof. I'm going to jump out of my skin. Every little sound upsets me. You know, you know, when people look at me, I feel like they're reading my mind. They, they have, you know, so many symptoms of some kind of a really bizarre trauma that uh, you, you become convinced that something certainly did happen to them. Mm-hmm. I, uh, people can't can't fake this kind of trauma so frequently in the identical terms. Uh, it's it's always the same, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I was doing something, and and I'm missing time, and and I'm upset about the missing time, of course. But more than that, is I feel like something happened, and 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 the frequent uh, occurrence of people after these events, you know, feeling that there is some psychic thing going on that uh, that people can read their minds, or that people are talking about them, or that they're being spied upon, or that the you know their their best friend has suddenly turned into a CIA agent, or uh, just you know any numbers of similar types of things, and uh, and it's it's always the same. So with this woman uh, on the tape that we just heard, uh, what what actually ended up happening? Did you, you know, see her for multiple sessions, or what was the the end result? Yes, according to her, and and yes, I did see her for several sessions. According to her, she had been actually abducted, and that uh, the the abductors were were these ant type creatures, and they had taken her in a spacecraft, and they had taken her uh, to an underground place. Interestingly enough, uh, I, I believe she she said it was in South America, and they had put her in a in a uh, in a pit 
with all kinds of crawling things, you know, like worms and slugs and all kinds of really horrible, you know, crawly things, which, you know, I'm sure is out of somebody's worst nightmare, and had told her that these were her parents. <laughs> that yeah, oh, that that uh, that her DNA um, came from these from these uh, from these worms and creatures and so on and so forth. And I, she was never able to uh, to exactly elucidate whether that meant uh, you know something in evolutionary terms, like we all evolved from some kind of an amoeba or something, or whether whether they meant that she specifically had been genetically engineered from the DNA of of, of, worm? of worms. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was a pretty unusual case in that respect, but of course I have heard of similar cases. Uh back when um back when I was first uh dealing with abductees, which kind of fell into my lap. I wasn't looking for them. And uh I was I was so uh so nonplussed with what I was hearing and seeing, and 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 of course I was a complete non-believer in UFOs and abduction and so forth. I thought it was uh, more or less a some kind of mass hysteria or um, you know some kind of psychological problem or people trying to get attention or you know any numbers of things. But as as time went by, and I was very very careful in in talking to these people beforehand, you know, trying to find out that they were, you know, no, you know, what we consider fairly normal people, well-adjusted, you know, normal family life, normal background, and so on and so forth. Yet they had this, this event that had happened to them, this missing time. And then under hypnosis, they had these memories of some truly, truly bizarre events. I mean, some of them were so bizarre. <laughs> it, it, it all kind of uh, reminds me of... Um something we've talked about before in terms of uh, disassociation and we mentioned Martha Stout's book uh, The Myth of Sanity uh, where she describes these uh, case studies of people who are experiencing trauma in their in, in their kind of uh, daily life. lives spontaneous trauma for some strange reason you know something happens some innocuous event and, and they are traumatized by it and then she explains how she these people you know the source of this trauma is back in their childhood with an event that they have uh, repressed and that they're unaware of and that they've essentially dis- disassociated themselves from or they were disassociated at the time that uh, of the event and uh, it kind of makes me wonder how many of uh, how many of these people how many praying mantises uh, Martha Stout <laughs> has uh, has come across in her in her therapy or not necessarily praying mantises but but you know similar types of bizarre um uh, memories that are uncovered when she tries to go back to find the source of these traumas, and that and that aren't really reported, or that are dismissed, or that ra- or that are rationalized away. Well, there are situations, and I've come across them where an individual has come and has uh, said that they feel like they were traumatized, or there was some kind of trauma in their childhood, and they would like to find out what it was. And we have gone back and looked at the trauma, and in such cases, not always, but in some cases, they would uh, be just, you know, talking about this trauma in much the same terms that this woman was, you know, completely without emotion. And I would use the split screen technique, which, you know, if you set it up properly, you're you're not giving any leading suggestion as to what's going to be behind the screen. And I I would say that. 
I gave it about a 50-50 chance or even more than a 50-50 chance. I figured it was 80 or 90% possible that when this woman was talking about these praying mantises or these grasshopper creatures, that if, if that when the screen split that she would see, you know, some abuse incident from her childhood. That's not what she saw, though. And there are people who have thought that they had an abuse incident uh, from their childhood, you know, just a normal, like, sexual or physical abuse, where when you give them a split-screen technique, uh, suggestion what they will see instead of the uh, human abuse uh, the screen will split and what they will see is an alien abduction scenario and I've even tried you know double screen splitting to you know see if if they saw a an abuse scenario with an alien abduction behind it with an, a, a deeper abuse scenario behind that mm-hmm. and that hasn't that hasn't brought up anything else so so i'm not sure that uh these are necessarily incidents where where something minor triggers a dissociative reaction because in 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 these cases uh the people you know actually do have something that happened that that triggers something you know something that uh mm-hmm. that is completely um completely out of out of the range of ordinary events. Yeah, well, I suppose that the, the idea that I was thinking of was that um, there's a specific example in Martha Stout's book, uh, The Myth of Sanity, where she, uh, uh, she, she she's working with a client and, and during one of the sessions um, there are two kind of uh, alter egos, as she calls them, that come through with very different voices. One's a man, I think, and one's a woman, and uh, one of them isn't particularly nice. And, and Martha Stout calls these alter egos and just, you know, and asks to speak to the, the client again, you know, and asks these, these entities, well, not entities, as she calls them, but alter egos, to speak to the client again. And so she just sees them as just different, a part of, of, of the psyche. parts, right, sure. Um, so that kind of makes me think about uh, how, many, uh, how many psychologists or psychotherapists out there have had uh, experiences of people who have given weird and bizarre accounts of s- scenarios similar to what we've just listened to, uh, and the uh, psychotherapist doesn't uh, doesn't have a clue. Exactly. Well, it it makes me wonder quite often when when I read about some of these cases where they talk about multiple personality and, and dissociation, uh, whether or not it is say an attached entity, or even a demonic type entity such as we listened to last week, who uh, who deceives and conceals the reality of who and what he, she, it is by claiming to be a dissociated alter ego. And, of course, that then, you know, allows the therapist to work with them as though they were, you know, you know part of the client and to, to merge you them. You need and to help integrate. To, yeah, yeah, to integrate them, which, which, you know, in some cases could be the worst possible thing to do. But then, of course, there certainly are cases of multiple personality or dissociative personality disorder. And... You can't. You have to be very, very careful to make a judgment on that, and you probably would have to apply, you know, a certain number of tests. Well, For example, the differential diagnosis, yeah. and that, of course, brings us back to the subject of channeling. Uh, people uh, write to me, ask me, you know, should I start my own channeling experiment? And the only thing I can tell you is that it is such a jungle out there. There are so many things out there. There are so many types of things out there that if you haven't worked with this kind of thing 
for many, many years. And if you haven't studied and researched it, and if you haven't dealt with it personally and even successfully, don't do it. Do not do not do this at home. (laughs) Well, that about wraps it up for this week's Signs of the Times podcast. Be sure to visit the signs page at www.signs-of-the-times.org. Also, be sure to check out our new and improved Signs of the Times forum, which is linked off of the signs page. Also linked off the Signs of the Times homepage in the right-hand column is the new Pentagon Strike Forum, where you can discuss the subject of 9-11 and the war on terrorism. So that about wraps it up. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Music